Yassis, and welcome to the Greece Travel Secrets podcast. Your host is the founder of the Greece Travel Secrets website, Sandy Pappas, and she's joined by a variety of guests covering all sorts of topics about visiting Greece and making the most of your Greek odyssey. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 10th episode of the Greece Travel Secrets podcast. I'm afraid I didn't get around to publishing an episode in August. A number of things have been happening in our world. I hope wherever you are tuning in from, you are safe and well as we continue to deal with and uh, adapt and try to understand and move forward with these crazy times with uh, the COVID-19 virus still very much alive and uh, affecting many people around the world. Um, so a couple of things happened for us in August. One thing is that we went on a holiday. We actually went in one of those big, shiny metal things in the sky. The first time we'd been in one since January. Um, and we went up to the very top of Australia to North Queensland, which is actually where a lot of my family is from. My grandparents uh, lived their whole lives on the Atherton Tablelands in Atherton, which is a beautiful part of the world inland from Cairns. Many of you may have heard of Cairns, which of course is the gateway to the magnificent Great Barrier Reef. So there's a lot of things to see and do up there. And I'm actually starting a new website, uh, madly in designer uh, mode at the moment, which will be called Weekend Getaways Australia. So I I'm not dropping the ball on Greece by any stretch of the imagination. Believe me, it will still be my number one priority and we will be back to Greece as soon as we can. But in the meantime, I am uh, stuck at home. Uh, many of you may know that the Australian government do not allow us to travel overseas. So, you know, it's time for us to re-explore many of the wonderful places in our own country. And also, I hope I can give some inspiration and some ideas uh, to people looking to create some new memories of their own in Australia. And for those of you overseas, hopefully when you get to visit Australia again one day as well. Now, the other thing that happened in our life in August which has nothing to do with traveling whatsoever, but it's still a really lovely thing, is that we got a puppy, a new family member for us. We lost our old boy Nelson back in January. He was almost 19. Um, so, you know, there was a bit of a void, particularly from me working from home all day. I really sort of missed having him around, even though for much of, you know, the last couple of years, he did sleep almost all the time. But he was a lovely companion and a much loved member of our family. So after trying for quite a long time, there's a massive puppy shortage now in Australia. Again, one of the bizarre outcomes of COVID, I hear it has happened in other parts of the world too, is that, yeah, the supply has significantly outstripped demand. And so we missed out on lots and lots of litters. We we're on many waiting lists. 
it all got very frustrating and and quite emotional actually and uh, we ended up with a a breed that I swore we'd never get a flat nosed dog she's half French bulldog half Boston terrier her name is Penelope she is named after the Queen of Ithaca the wife of the Trojan war hero Odysseus and if you go to greasetravelsecrets.com you can uh, you can read my long article on traveling to Ithaca where I mention the story about Odysseus and Penelope. Penelope was the very loyal and uh, much cherished wife as I said of Odysseus. She waited for him for 20 years so the story goes for him to return from the war. So we have a new little uh, Greek goddess in our household. She's now 14 weeks old and um, yeah, I forgot what it's like to have a new baby in the house. It can be very hard to get work done. It used to be 10 hours at my desk and now it's an hour here and an hour there and I haven't been as productive as I would like to be. But anyway, we're, we're going to try and get back on top of that now in September. So back to Greece. In the last podcast episode, I talked about the differences between Santorini and Mykonos. Now, those two islands are the most popular islands for travellers, particularly first-time travellers, and we are regularly asked the question. A lot of people are time poor. They may only be able to see one or the other, and that question actually is the number one question that comes to the website and to the Facebook group. So I felt it was important for me to publish that episode. It has been downloaded several thousand times, uh, which is great to see, very encouraging, and I do hope that it helped uh, many of you make the choice if you had to choose between those two. So in today's episode, I wanted to take that one step further and discuss another two islands that are also very popular. Uh, They're very close by to Santorini and Mykonos, and they are Paros and Naxos. Now, these two islands are often the islands that somebody who has the ability to add another island to their itinerary, say they're doing the uh, the typical Athens, Santorini, Mykonos loop. They may have a few more days up their sleeve or they may have visited them before and they're looking for just one more island to add to their trip. And many people will tell them to make it either Paros or Naxos. Now, the reason that those two are frequently suggested is because they are very close to Santorini and Mykonos. In fact, they are geographically almost in the middle. Chances are you are going to visit one of them, possibly both of them, if you are catching the ferry from Santorini to Mykonos. The ferry is going to stop in at those ports anyway. The other reason that they're often uh, suggested is that they are a lot more authentic than Santorini and Mykonos, both of those islands being so popular, well, usually, and very touristic to a degree. Um, You don't 
so much see a very authentic or traditional side to the Greek islands and indeed Greece on those two islands. On Paros and Naxos, however, there are still large communities living there, going about their everyday lives, not relying on tourism. And many visitors to those islands often really enjoy seeing that contrast. Don't get me wrong, they are very much geared up for tourists, but they also have many villages that are quite remote, very small, very authentic, and both islands also are somewhat cheaper than Santorini and Mykonos. You can certainly still spend a lot of money at them if you want to, but they are very budget-friendly and both of them also have quite a lot to see and do. So let me just go through the differences and similarities between Paros and Naxos. And hopefully, again, you can make up your own mind, therefore, which one might be the best one for you. Now, in terms of size and geography, Paros is a much smaller island than Naxos. Naxos is, in fact, the largest island in the Cyclades group. Paros is smaller and it is uh, almost round in shape. So it is possible to explore Paros in a single day if you were able to get a car. There is a bus service as well. And I think that's one of the reasons I really like it and often recommend it even over Naxos to many people is because it is easy to just go around in a loop and, you know, stop along the way and see almost everything. On Naxos, don't get me wrong, there is a lot to see and do, but Naxos town, which is uh, Hora, the port town, it's the main town. And if you were going to go and explore the rest of the island, you're pretty much going to either go north and back again or south and back again. You really would need several days, preferably a week, to be able to actually go around the island and see everything. So there is quite a difference in the geography of the two islands. They are very close together. It takes less than half an hour by uh, ferry to get from one to the other. As I mentioned, Naxos is very much made up of just the one main town. And in some respects, that gives it an advantage because the airport and the port are all in the one town called Hora. Whereas on Paros, the airport is about 20 minutes south of the port town, which is called Parakia. And there is another very popular town called Nausa, which is about 20 minutes north of Parakia. And then there's a number of smaller towns as well. So it doesn't have all of its infrastructure and its arrival ports in the one town that therefore differentiates the two islands again. In terms of things to see and do, look, you know, they've both got very similar things in terms of great beaches, churches, cultural activities and attractions, uh, lots of beautiful natural landscapes and uh, these authentic small villages. Paros is uh, busier and more active in terms of, say, official administrative services and 
it does have a few more shops and large supermarkets and things like that. They both would be much of a muchness in terms of tavernas um, and cafes, coffee shops. Naosa does have a very renowned and very vibrant nightlife. Now, there is some nightlife on Naxos. There is uh, several areas where you will find uh, tavernas and bars open late at night. But Naosa, particularly right around the inner harbour, is much more active, much busier and turns into somewhat of a nightclub late at night with many places not closing until the sun has come up. So a lot of people say Nausa reminds them of Mykonos, say about 10 years ago. So if you're after that kind of thing, if you really want that summer nightlife, then uh, Nausa does have the edge over anywhere on Naxos. In saying that, don't let me put you off with that either. You can easily stay in Naosa, and we do every time we visit Greece, just a little bit further away from the harbour so that you don't get the noise and you can go home whenever you want and, you know, enjoy a drink at one of the bars, have a great dinner, but you don't have to stay out with all the young and beautiful things until all hours of the morning. In terms of beaches, Naxos probably does have the edge over Paros. Paros does have some beautiful beaches. I'm often quite confused when I hear people say, oh, the beaches on Paros are no good. Often that is being said by by somebody who's only gone to a couple of beaches around the port and have not ventured very far. The beaches on Paros do tend to be a lot smaller and they're often more secluded and are, you know, set around small bays and coves. The beaches on Naxos, some of them are very big, very expansive. They have beautiful white sand and a number of them are very calm, particularly on the western and southern sides of the island and therefore they're very popular with young families. So I do see that as a big differentiator between these two islands. People with small children are often happier on Naxos where things can be a little bit quieter, it's a little bit safer and it's easier to find great family accommodation right on the beach. Not so easy on Paros, it certainly does exist, but Naxos does have the edge if that's the type of holiday you're looking for. In terms of food and gastronomy, if that's something that you're really into when you travel, I know we are, Naxos is actually quite famous for a number of its uh, food products. Its potatoes, can you believe it? I don't think uh, we really think of Greece as potato capital like we might think of Ireland, but um, its potatoes are actually world-renowned and they have a major potato festival each year. They also have amazing honey and beautiful herbs and they also make some very, very good cheeses, which you can find, again, sold all over Greece and indeed in good delis around the world. Now, Paros does, of course, also have excellent food. I don't think I've ever had a bad meal there, but they probably aren't quite as focused on their cuisine and their culinary produce as Naxos is. In terms of uh, other things you can do that are near these islands, 
Paros has another island neighbour, a much smaller one, and that is Antiparos, which is to its west. Anti in Greek meaning opposite. It is, as I said, a much smaller island. And if you go to greasetravelsecrets.com, you can find a complete travel guide there on Antiparos. It's a beautiful island. People, again, live and work there year round. Um, it is set up for tourism and there's some lovely small hotels that are very affordable actually in the main town. It really only has one town. It's also home, I mean really it's big claim to fame, is that it is home to a number of celebrities and most notable is Tom Hanks and his lovely Greek wife Rita Wilson. In fact, I know that they are in Antiparos right now. They have been photographed a number of times because because uh, Tom has been awarded a Greek citizenship, the lucky bastard. So good luck to him. They were able to get into, into Greece this year, even though most Americans were not. So you can either go and stay on Antiparos for a few days, you certainly wouldn't regret it, or it makes for a great day trip out from Paros. You can get the car ferry over from Punda. It only takes seven minutes or there is a passenger ferry that also leaves from Paurakia if you'd like to just walk around and go on your own steam. Now, near Naxos, at the southern end of the island, is a series of islands called the Small Cyclades. Now, as the name suggests, these are uh, a number of very small islands they include uh, Elephonisi, Danusa, Shinusa. I don't have articles on all of those islands just yet, but there is a long article on, and very comprehensive article, I think, on Shinusa, again, over at greasetravelsecrets.com. Now, you can visit these islands from Paros as a day trip on a, on a boat, on a sailing trip, or if you're in Naxos, you can again go over uh, for the day or you can stay on some of those islands. Look, the water around those islands, the water there is quite shallow and the it, honestly, the colour, it is crystal clear, aquamarine. We've swum there several times. You can swim into the sea caves. It is absolutely breathtaking. So whether you're on Paros or Naxos, you must spend at least a day exploring the small Cyclades as much as you can. It really is incredible. In terms of driving, um, driving, of course, can be quite daunting and overwhelming for people in foreign countries. In Greece, it is, look, we find it quite easy. It is the wrong side of the road for us, so it always takes a little bit of getting used to. But on the islands in particular, there's not a lot of traffic. There aren't even any traffic lights, so it's not that difficult. I mean, Greeks drive a bit erratically. Most Europeans do. They don't take a lot of notice of the rules. Um, but really, it's pretty slow going. I don't think we've ever really had an incident. I do have a complete guide to driving in Greece on the website. And I do urge you to read it because there are some critical things you need to know, particularly about uh, having an international driver's permit, which is now mandatory. And also a few other tips about hiring cars and how to avoid all the very 
many headaches that many people go through. If you're going to either Paros or Naxos, I highly recommend you hire a car at least for a day or two. On Naxos, you will need one probably for a bit longer because, as I said, it is so much bigger. It is a very mountainous island. And look, I don't particularly love driving on those islands. I find those roads can be a little bit hair-raising. John seems to tackle them well, but I'm not the best passenger uh, sometimes in those instances. Paros is very easy to drive around. It's relatively flat. There's a few small mountains in the interior and the roads are very good. So um, we always hire a car there, again, even if it's just for a day to get down to some of the southern um, beaches and tavernas. So what else can I tell you about these two islands? Well, look, they're both magnificent. I mean, that goes without saying. But if you really only were able to choose one, that really does depend on your individual circumstances. As I have mentioned, there are reasons why some people may prefer the nightlife on Paros or they may prefer the child-friendly beaches on Naxos. You do sometimes hear people talk about the wind. Uh, I often see in my group people say, oh, don't go to Paros, it was so windy there. Well, the reality is when that wind blows, and it's a summer wind called the Meltemi, comes down from Turkey, when that wind blows on that day, it is blowing on every island in the Cyclades. And some do get it more than others. Mykonos is a particularly windy island. It's one of the reasons its windmills are so famous because it is at the northern end of the Cyclades. So it's one of the first islands to cop that wind as it comes through. Santorini being at the, in the southern end is one of the last. But the upside of the Meltemi is it can really keep the temperatures down on those very, very hot days in July and August in particular. And it also makes it very popular with sailors and people that love kite surfing and windsurfing, which you will see on both of these islands. It's always possible on both islands to escape the wind. There are numerous coves and beaches and corners that you can escape to on both of these islands. And the wind does not blow every day. It is unpredictable. Nobody quite knows when it will or won't. But generally speaking, it blows for a couple of days and then it stops for a couple of days. And so, as I said, there's pros and cons to that. We don't let it bother us. And uh, it always seems to make a our visits even more exciting. I guess that pretty much wraps up all the differences and similarities between Naxos and Paros. I guess, look, the answer, the ultimate answer to the question about which one should you visit is, of course, both. If it's possible at all to fit both of them in, it can be done quite easily. You can even just stay. The first time we ever went to Naxos, we only went for one night on our way to Paros from Santorini, I think we'd been, or possibly Eos. And, you know, that gave us enough of a feel for it that we knew that we definitely wanted to return. But ideally, I know it's not that great dragging a suitcase and kids and, and, and multiple people around if you're in a big group. So you may have to choose just one or the other. 
So pop on over to greasetravelsecrets.com. You will find extensive accommodation and activity guides for both islands, as well as an article called Paros versus Naxos, which pretty much covers everything that we have talked about today. I hope this has been useful for you. We will go on to talk about these islands again, of course, in more detail. We have already got a podcast episode about Paros, which has featured my lovely husband, John. And I do have Naxos down to cover in the next couple of months. So thank you again for joining me today and I look forward to speaking to you next time.